We're in the middle of a series that we've been doing for the past couple weeks. We've been actually going through the book of Nehemiah, uh, looking at different chapters in the book of Nehemiah. And we titled the series, we called it People Like Us. And so this Sunday is good for you because we are wrapping up the series. So in case you missed it, we're going to review a little bit and get you up to speed. And then we're going to jump in to what we're going to look at in chapter 6 of Nehemiah. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 6. I've titled this talk, The Deception Strategy. And so this week, in case you're new, you're with us, new with us, let me give you just a little update and then some of the backstory in the book of Nehemiah. The context of this book is back 444 BC, 444 BC, before the time of Jesus. This is um, happening in uh, what is known in the kingdom of Persia, which is today Iran. It's in this area. And so Nehemiah was the cupbearer of King Artaxerxes in 444 BC. And one day, Nehemiah's brother goes up to Nehemiah, visits him, and Nehemiah asks him, hey, how's it going there in Jerusalem? Because some people had gone to Jerusalem where Nehemiah was from, and he wanted to know how the people were doing. So he asks him, hey, how's it going over there? And the brother replied, not going good, actually. You're not going to like what I'm going to tell you. It's actually really bad. The walls are down around the city, and the people are vulnerable, and it's embarrassing to our God, and nobody can get it fixed. And so suddenly, this very regular Joe, very ordinary guy, Somebody like us. That's why we titled the series, People Like Us. All of a sudden, he gets this extraordinary burden. And it moves him to tears. And he started fasting. And he started praying. And you know what he, you know what he thought? He thought, you know, somebody ought to do something about this. And it might as well be me. And so what does he do? He, he, he goes and he talks to the king. And he asks the king, for permission to go visit Jerusalem, to go to Jerusalem, and to help rebuild these walls. And miraculously, the king says, okay, go for it if you want to do it, which you guys, that was a miracle at that time because, you know, he was working for the king, and he was like, yeah, you want to go? Go for it. And so Nehemiah travels over a thousand miles, and after the walls had been down for more than 140 years, can everybody say 140? Okay, 140 years, he took the people of Jerusalem, he gathered them all together, and he started to speak to them. And he said, I believe that God can use us to rebuild these walls. Are you with me? Let's do it together. And as he started this project, he had a lot of noise that was around him. The noise was all this negativity, this opposition that was trying to get him to stop. And so we talked a little bit, I don't know, you may remember, if you do, you can nod your heads with me. You remember last week, we talked about this noise. I, I, I came up to the stage with these headphones because, because there was all this noise that was going, this negativity, this opposition that was going on around him, and he had to make a decision. And last week, I don't know if you were here, so I'm going to pop quiz you right now. If you remember the title of our talk last week, anybody remember? It was entitled, Drown Out the Noise. And this week, the opposition that comes against us, that's what we have to do. We have to continue to drown out the noise. And so are you guys all at Nehemiah chapter 6? Nehemiah chapter 6, we're going to see what happens because the enemy notices that he can't stop this walls, these walls from going up. 
And so the enemy tries a different, he, he scratches the strategy that he had before to try to get him to stop to build the walls. He tries, you know, last week we talked about how he tries to discourage Nehemiah and tries to tell him, look, you don't know the first thing about building a wall. Don't even, you're a cupbearer. Don't even try. So he tries to, 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 to get him to not even gather the people. The, the opposition tried to get him to, to not even attempt to rebuild these walls. But Nehemiah doesn't listen. He drowns out the noise. He puts his headphones on and he drowns out the noise and he just keeps at what he was doing, what God had called him to do. And so, so, so he doesn't listen to it. So the enemies try a different, totally different strategy. And, and we see that he can't, he, he sees that, that he can't discourage Nehemiah and so he tries this totally different strategy. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The enemy of our soul tries different strategies to ruin us. And we talked about discouragement last week. That was the strategy the enemy was using to try to discourage Nehemiah from, from building these walls. And he tries this different strategy. And the strategy he tries this time is called the deception strategy because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. And so the enemy wants to ruin us and especially when we're trying to do something for God. When we're going after God, he wants to try to stop what we're doing. Anybody feel like that? right? You, you got something, some noise around you. You got some noise coming at you, and, 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 and you just want to say, you know what? Ain't nobody have time for that. I don't got time to listen to this noise. I got to stay focused on what God has called me to do, and the good news is that Nehemiah, that's exactly what he did. He didn't let that type of noise stop him, and so he simply drowned out the noise, and when this different strategy came to try to um, get him to stop, he drowned it out some more. And so this deception strategy, I wanted to, to uncover and talk a little bit about this deception strategy today because Nehemiah, he did something that everybody else thought was impossible. He didn't allow this noise to stop him. He did something what everybody else thought was impossible. He did it, he made it, he did it with all the help of his friends, with God's help, especially he was able to overcome what everybody else thought was impossible. And so now that you're up to speed, let me tell you where we're going today. Things are going to get a little weird today. There's going to be, if it hasn't been already, it's going to get a little even weirder, okay? There's a little soap opera twist, a little murder plot. There's kind of, there's going to be a little craziness going on. So I just want to warn you. So if you were listening to music and, you know, you would hear in, in a scary movie the da-da-da-da, this is the da-da-da-da moment. So I just want to warn you, get ready for it. It's what's coming. And since we're talking about what we're going to do today, let me tell you what's coming up this week. On Friday, Nick mentioned it. I want to let you know we're really excited about this, about this conference that's coming up this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday about the second coming. If you've been here, you know we've been talking about it and letting you know about it. We don't do this very often, but we are doing it this weekend. It's finally here. We've been talking about it for a few weeks, and we're really excited about it. Pastor Keith Thomas, great friend of mine, He's a great teacher. He's going to be here. So if you can, carve out your schedule to be with us this Friday night, 7.30, and then Saturday morning, and then Sunday. We'd love for you to be there. I think it's going to help you in your walk with Christ. I think it's going to help you in your journey. So this will be good information. Some transformation, I believe, is going to happen as well. So getting back to today, the enemy will use the deception strategy in two ways, if you're taking notes, and you can write this down. The first one is with fabrications. Fabrications by spreading lies, rumors. Just know this, the more we do for God, the more, um, the more people gossip about us, misinterpret our motives, misunderstand what we're doing. It is part of leadership. 
Verse 5, we see this in chapter 6 of Nehemiah. And then it says this, then the fifth time, see there was four other times. And then in the fifth time, see the first four times was that first strategy of discouragement, of trying to get Nehemiah not to build the wall. But the fifth time, the enemy changes course and tries a totally different strategy. Sanballat, who's Sanballat? We talked about him. He's a guy that showed up in the book of Nehemiah since chapter one. Not a good guy. Can everybody say bad guy? All right, bad guy. He sent, this is the verse, sent his aid to me. And in his hand was an unsealed letter. Now, what is an unsealed letter? Let's talk about this. This was a letter that was meant to be read publicly, right? It was meant to be read publicly to ruin Nehemiah, to deceive the people following Nehemiah. And anyone who would have heard this letter, it was meant to, to ruin Nehemiah. It's kind of like a blog post today. Somebody puts something on the web and everybody reads it. It's an unsealed letter, okay? That's what it is. And in this letter, it was written. Here it goes. It is reported among the nations. And Geshem, Geshem, that's a person, okay? What do you guys think? Good guy or bad guy? You got a 50-50 chance? Yell it out. What do you think? Bad guy, correct. He's a bad guy, bad dude. And he says, this bad guy, and he goes on to say that Geshem says it's true. He's corroborating what the rumors are saying. It's true, Geshem says, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are all about, you're, you're, you're about to become their king. Now, this report, just so you know, Nehemiah, this report will get back to the king. So come, let us confer together. So what was Geshem and all these people trying to do? They were fabricating lies to deceive people. There was no ounce of truth in it. In fact, Nehemiah chapter 5, and we really didn't go in it too much, but Nehemiah chapter 5 is all about the total opposite of what Nehemiah is being accused of in chapter 6 by this guy. See, in, in Nehemiah chapter 5, he is complete, he's the most self-sacrificial leader around. He could have had financial gain and that would have been okay because he was leading all the people for himself, but he didn't. He could have taken food that was available to him as the governor of that area, which he was now titled as governor, but he didn't. In fact, he took his own resources and he invested in people to help them get out of debt. In addition to that, he spoke on behalf of the poor. And it was not about him. Nehemiah, what he was doing, it was not about him. But he was falsely accused. And a lot of deception was going on. So fabrications could be rampant and scream louder than all the good that he was doing. The noise, you guys. The noise. Again, trying to get around. And here's the deal. I get to actually stop it now. Here's the deal. The more we do for God, the more people are going to talk about us and fabricate lies. Can somebody say yes? The more we do for God, the more people are going to talk about us and fabricate lies. And it's just part of it. Remember that we don't face opposition for doing something wrong. We face opposition for doing something right. And what Nehemiah did is, is very simple. Here's what he did. He, he just said, hey, not true. And after he said that, he prayed. And so he just prayed and got back to work. And that's what we need to do. When we hear lies about ourselves, said about us, hey, not true, and then we're gonna pray about it and get back to work. I'm thinking about what's happening here in the city of Miami to our wonderful Miami Marlins, right? The ownership, 
there are being accused of all sorts of fabrications and lies. Oh, you're not out for the best interest of the Marlins. You're just a Yankee. He was a Yankee. You're just for the New York Yankees. You're just trying to load up your New York Yankees. You don't care about us. You're just leaving us high and dry. That's what they're accusing the, the new owner of the Miami Marlins. And I'm like, I'm hearing these things, and I'm like, man, I can sympathize with you, Derek Jeter. So he, since he's not here, if you're listening to this on podcast, Derek Jeter, keep going. You're doing a good thing. I have faith in you. You're going to turn our, 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 our ball club around, and it's for a longer legacy, so keep going. I know people may not understand it and accuse you, but just keep going. You're doing a good thing. I love what, and I love, love, love what Zadiah, I don't know if you know who Zadiah is, but Zadiah is an actress, a model, singer. I love what she did when uh, she was, her, her parents, she came to her parents' defense. Someone was, posted a photo of them on Twitter and made a derogatory remark and something completely untrue. And this is her response, Zadiah. She kept it very cool. She kept, she, she kept it cool. She wrote, first, I'm gonna pray for you. While you're so concerned about what my parents look like, please know that these are two of the most selfless people in the world. They have chosen to spend their entire life not worried about trivial things such as looks and insulting people's parents on Twitter, but instead became educators who have dedicated their lives to teaching, cultivating, and filling young minds. One of the most, uh, one of the most important yet underpaid jobs we have. And all the teachers in the house said, amen. amen. All right, all right. Please, she goes on to say, please log out, go to school, hug a teacher and read a textbook and while you're at it go look in the mirror and know that you too are beautiful because such hateful things only stem from internal struggles she la and the last thing she said was bless you and when i read that this week i was like where's my mic just drop it right now that's how we say in miami you know eric reed to quote the theologian eric reed from the miami heat Kaboom, right? I mean, that's what he says, but that's what we say here. That's, that, that's such a great response to when the enemy tries to come and fabricate lies about us. Can somebody say yes? So the enemy's strategy of deception will first bring fabrications, lies about us, and then it'll bring lies to us to try to make us, and this is the second thing if we're taking notes, just to give in a little bit. Just give in a little bit. What do I mean by that? The noise will try to convince us, just don't hold integrity so high. Nobody is that honest, right? Just give in to sin a little bit. Verse 10, we see a, a, new, chap, a, a new character introduced. And this is the soap opera part I was telling you about, all right? This is the twist. This is the cray-cray moment, all right? Shemaiah, new guy, new character, comes in right? And Shemaiah was probably a temple priest. We don't know for sure, but he had access to the temple. And remember, only a priest could go into the temple. You're only allowed to go into the temple if you are a priest. And anyone else, God could actually kill if they went in. It was blasphemy. It was, it was completely blasphemy. It would ruin anyone. And so this guy says, he comes into the story, and he talks to Nehemiah, and he tries to deceive Nehemiah by getting him to give in just a little. Now follow along as I read verse 10 here in chapter 6. Shemaiah said, this is to Nehemiah. I know the name's Nehemiah, Shemaiah, but try to follow along, okay? Shemaiah said, let us meet in the house. By the way, do me a favor. Nobody call your son 
Shemaiah, all right? Keep, keep it simple for all the rest of us, all right? Shemaiah said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. In other words, you'll be safe in the temple. They won't find you in the, in the temple. Verse 12, I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah, another bad guy, and Sanballat, another bad guy, we talked about him already, but had hired him. Okay, this is the double agent. He's trying to come, he's trying to, come to Nehemiah and say, I'm on your side. There's all these bad guys out there in Nehemiah, right? Come with me into the temple. Just follow me. And yet, but Nehemiah realized he had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me, then they would, then that would give everybody an opportunity to talk bad about me, right? Because it says here, then that would give me a bad name. To do what, you guys? Are you reading it up there? Let's say it all out. Those last Two words there. A bad name to what? One, two, three. To discredit me. Sorry, three words. To discredit me. They're trying to give him a bad name to discredit me. And that's what our enemy tries to do all the time to us. If we can't just, if, if we could just get, you know, the enemy's thinking, if I can just get him to compromise a little, just to give in a little bit. In fact, here's the deal. Nehemiah could have easily thought to himself, you know what? And let me tell you, I've seen a lot. Nehemiah could have easily said, you know what? As a leader, I'm pretty important in this project and I'm rising in my effectiveness. We're almost done with this wall. You know, shoot, I can get in the little temple. Why not? I mean, I'm, I'm a leader. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty important now, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm effective. I, I've been building this wall. I'm almost done. It's so easy as a leader to start believing that they're entitled to things that they're not entitled to. Can somebody say Yes. And here's how he could have played out in his mind very easily. He could have thought, hey, man, you know what? I'm doing some good things. I'm doing, I've been working really hard. I've been doing some good things. These walls are almost done. Nope, if I was in here, nobody could have done this, right? And so I, 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 I've worked so hard. These walls are almost up. I need to protect my life. I mean, if these guys are really out to get me, maybe I should go to the temple because that way I can be protected. I'm a pretty important person. I'm a VIP. And as leaders rise in effectiveness, and you guys, this is for all of us here, because all of us are leaders, so listen to this. As leaders rise in effectiveness, our spiritual enemy will try to convince us to deceive us that we are more than we really are, right? We see it all the time amongst leaders. It's like, hey, look what I'm doing. I, I, I'm doing all this stuff, and all the ladies love me, right? The ladies love me. Girls adore me. I mean, you know, all this stuff, and, and, and I deserve more money than I'm getting paid, right? And before long, a spirit of entitlement sets in, and a great leader can fall straight to the ground and can fall into greed. Or, hey, check out. Look what I'm doing. Everybody look at me. I'm doing all this stuff. And someone who's getting a lot done falls into this deception, this strategy of the enemy, and the, the strategy of the enemy it just is this idea if I can just get them to give in a little bit, not a lot, because you ain't ready for a lot yet, because you, you'd expose it, and you'd know this wasn't me, this was me, the enemy, but a little bit, you could give in a little bit, you know, you're, you're, you're a man, you deserve this, and before you know it, sexual temptation can ruin us, and it can ruin years and years of a good name. Or it could be Nehemiah saying in his mind, hey, look what I've accomplished. 
And in our lives, it could be similar. I've, I've done so much. Look where I've been. I mean, my friends around me, they're not even alive anymore. I mean, look how far I've come, right? And we start to think, I deserve this. Or, or something, we have a great ministry going on, and we're helping the poor in, in another part of the world. Or whatever, we're helping inner city kids. Or whatever it is, and, and we're a guy, and we're married, and, and our wife's not meeting our needs. And we're thinking, well, I'm kind of special, aren't I? I mean, you know, I've been doing all these things and, and I've got needs and she's not meeting my needs, therefore I need my needs met, right? I need my needs met. And, and a great man in all other areas and all other ways wanders outside of the boundaries of God and is deceived by the strategy of the enemy and finds himself doing something stupid that ruins his name. We see it in women as well, not just men. She's got a great group in women's ministry, She's discipling young girls and she's a leader at her work, but her husband's not there emotionally for her. And so she goes to work and there's this guy there that does understand her, right? There's a guy there, she's got this real great ministry, but she needs someone who understands her. And, and he understands just how special she is. And before long, she's got all this good stuff going on and she smears herself by getting deceived into doing one act. It could be at our work. We have a great reputation of being a strong follower of Jesus. And we're helping to share our faith with our boss. And all of our friends, they may not agree, but they respect us. And when they're having a hard time, who do they go to? Who do they ask for prayer? They go to us, right? And we're making a difference. But one day we're like, you know what? I think here at work, they take me for granted. And I know I have this personal expense here, but you know, I just traveled recently and I could easily put this as a business expense, right? And suddenly we've got this huge ministry that's very effective at our job and we let one thing discredit us. One thing discredit us. We see this all the time. We see it all the time. A great leader abuses power, becomes greedy, steps into sexual sin, and our enemy, as we rise in effectiveness, will do everything they can to stop us. The closer we get to doing what God wants done, the harder our enemy will fight to deceive us and ruin us. Hey, come on over. You can just do this, don't worry. It's just this one little, just a little lie, right, about what I think is really, you know, just, just this one little thing. And the enemy, what he does is he starts talking about you and fabricating lies about you that, that is, he say, hey, this is what's really going on behind it. You think this person is so big and, and doing all this stuff, but let me tell you what's really going on behind the scenes and let me tell you what she's really like. You think she's really genuine? She ain't really genuine. That's not who she is and, and they start fabricating lies about us. And whenever our enemy tries to stop us, he tries to throw us off with this strategy of deception. So what do we do? If you're taking notes, what do we do? How do we stop this, this, this deception strategy? If you're taking notes, here it is. By listening to something else. Listening to something else. Listen to something else. Everybody say that with me. Say it on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Listen to something else. Listen to something else. What is that something else? A lot of times that something else is us, ourselves. We have to remind ourselves about what God says in his word. We have to remind ourselves about the promises that God has given us. And sometimes that something else is ourselves. We have to talk to ourselves. This is what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah did this. 
going back to chapter 6, Nehemiah talking about Shemaiah. He says, Shemaiah said, I don't know if the verse is up there. Shemaiah said this, hey, let's go to the temple. They're trying to kill you, verse 11. But I said, uh-huh, let us, uh-huh. But I said, <laughs> should a man like me run away? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? He says what, you guys? He says, say it aloud. He says, I will not go. He's saying it to himself. Listen to me, you're, listen to me, he's talking. Nehemiah, listen to me, listen to yourself. Self, I will not go. This is not you. Don't listen to this noise around you. I know there's noise trying to deceive me to just give in a little bit, but I choose to listen to something else, a different voice. In other words, listen, I came here to build a wall. And I'm not stopping until that wall is built. I am not giving up. I'm not giving up my good name. I'm not giving up my integrity. And I'm not giving up my cause because God has created me to do this in this season. All right, so let's review the last two weeks in just a couple minutes. What, who, who does God use? What's the title of this series? Who does God use? People like us. Ordinary people like you and I, like Nehemiah, to do what? Extraordinary things. When God gives them a burden so great that one day this person sits down to cry and pray and fast and kneel down and, and then stands up to act and says, you know what? Not on my watch. I'm not okay with this. On behalf of God, somebody has got to do something about this, and it might as well be me. And then this person believes that even though the noise around them thinks it's impossible, or he or she knows with God, you know what? All things are possible. Yes, there's noise around us, but with God, I can do this. And then they say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rebuild this wall. I'm going to help speak on behalf of the unborn. I'm going to go mentor inner city kids. I'm going to stand in the gap for those who are trapped in human trafficking. Then whenever we feel the, the noise trying to discourage us, what do we do? We remember our God who is great and awesome. You remember that last week? And we fight for the cause. And when everybody else says, hide your kids, hide your husbands, hide your wife because they're raping everybody up in here, we say, no, 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 no. I'm gonna fight for my son. I'm gonna fight for my wife. I'm gonna fight for our daughters. We're gonna fight for our homes and we're gonna put a tool in one hand and a sword of weapon in the other and we're gonna fight and we're never gonna give up. Can somebody say yes? And when our enemy tries to distract us, what are we going to do? We're going to say, hey, I'm doing a great work up in here. Nehemiah said this. I'm doing a great work here. And I what? And I can't come down. There's just something inside of me that has this burden. And you know what? People may not understand it. People may not get it, and they may even talk about it. But I'm doing a great work here, and I'm not coming down. And when our enemy tries to get us to quit, we say, enemy, you just don't understand. You just don't understand what's inside of me, all right? I, I've come too far. There's no quit left in me. Listen, listen, that same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. And guess what? They try to put him down, but three days later, he came back up again. You see, 
That's, that's what I'm doing. I'm coming back. I, nothing's going to keep me down long. There's no quit in me. And so what's the end of the story? What's the end of the story here? Let's look at verse, 16, verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul. In how many days, you guys? The Bible says in 52 days. What hadn't been done in 140 years, all of a sudden got done in 52 days. There's no lightning from heaven that destroys the enemies. There's no talking donkeys. There's no magic hanky, right? There's nothing in this. All we see is the miracle of God working through people like us with determination. That's what we see in this book of Nehemiah. And if he can use Nehemiah, I'm here to tell you today, he can use you and he can use me. Can somebody say yes? And so in 52 days, the walls go up in verse 16. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence. Why? Because they realized that this work had been what? Everybody say it aloud. Had been done with the help of our God. It had been done with the help. He said everybody realized that what everyone thought was impossible had been done with the help of our God. And here's the deal. Do not grow weary in doing good. Scripture says, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. God is not calling us to take up space and make a name for ourselves. He's calling us to change the world. And when we surrender to him, by his power, his strength, his gifts, he's given us and the people around us, we can do what everyone else thinks cannot be done. And God can use us to change our world. Can you say yes? Yes. 